0: Hello, what's going on? My name is Alex and welcome to the Running The Point NBA podcast. First of all, I'd like to thank for the support on the first episode. I was pretty surprised at how many plays I got on that. And then furthermore, thank you for the support on the Instagram. It has been building at a bit of a rate. That is um, pretty consistent so far, so hopefully I can keep it up. And yeah, so welcome to the 2018-2019 Eastern Conference preview So getting into it, I've just had a Google Doc that I've been going through the past couple of days, doing a little little bit of research on each team and made a standings list on where I think they're going to rank this year. There's also going to be a Western Conference, it's going to come out the week after, currently at the time of recording, I think there is 11 days till the season starts. So that's pretty exciting to see NBA, real NBA basketball is going to be back on, currently There's a few games on. I think Melbourne United's playing the Toronto Raptors. The Orlando Magic's playing, is it an Italian team? But they're playing another overseas team. Yeah, it's good to see NBA basketball's back. And yeah, so heading into it, we're going to start from the 15th seed all the way up to the 1st seed in the East. And as I'm sure you'll be able to guess, the first team that we're going to be entering into is the Atlanta Hawks. So last year, the Atlanta Hawks, they're... um, Season record was 24 and 58. That was um, good enough to get them. Um, trading down from pick three down to pick five, giving up Luka Doncic to get Trey Young. And anyway, so the incoming players that they've got for the upcoming season Trey Young, Jeremy Lin, Alex Len, Kevin Herder, and Amari Spellman. They're the notable incoming names, and notable outgoing names is Dennis Schroeder. So um, there were a couple of fringe players that ended up being in and out of the G League and that, that had left, but um, they're unlikely to see many minutes in the future, although I wish them the best. So, yeah, the projected starting five uh, at the time of recording is going to be Trey Young starting, Kent Bazemore at the two, Torin Prince at the three, John Collins at the four, with Dwayne Denman manning the five, and coming off the bench, Jeremy Lin. This could... Um, change between Trey Young and Jeremy Lin. They've already given him quite a bit of run before the season started, so I wouldn't be surprised if they go in with um, Trey Young. And I've got here, as the team MVP, being John Collins. Um, John Collins isn't, of all the players on the roster at his peak, John Collins isn't the best. However, I think John Collins is going to be the most valuable by the end of the season, just simply based off the fact that I think he's becoming one of those underrated names that's becoming like rated by NBA, people like to think themselves as knowing a little bit about the NBA, like myself, people in that sort of um, sense. So I think John Collins, last year he had a relatively solid rookie season, Um, I had him on my fantasy team all, so I was following him quite a bit, and um, he was pretty good on the defensive end, Um, he's sort of like that prototypical uh, running the floor, athletic, big, bit of a small ball five. And yeah, very good rebounding. He had a high rebounding rate for the season, or relatively high, especially on the defensive end, to my knowledge. He was, had quite a high rebounding rate, especially for a rookie. So that's going to translate into his sophomore year, even if he has a shooting slump. He's not really much of an outside shooter. But I do think that by the end of the season, uh, we're going to be looking at John Collins as being one of the better prospects. Also, Torin Prince as well. I think he could really take a step forward and be one of those dark horses for the most improved for this year. Uh, but apart from that, I don't really see a whole lot of potential improvers. I guess when I'm go, going through the potential improvers, I'm going to sort of leave rookies out because you sort of expect rookies. They're unknowns at this point. So at the end season wrap-up, we'll be looking into rookies and rating if they were um, underwhelming or overwhelming with in terms of their performance. For Trey Young... Point guards entering their first two or three years, they tend to struggle. You saw that with people like Dennis Smith Jr. recently, even um, smaller guards like CJ McCollum. They sort of, it took them a while to find their own within the NBA. So if you're expecting Trey Young to come in and be Rookie of the Year, I think you might be thoroughly disappointed. He does have a small frame. Um, he's a very streaky shooter, especially from the NBA 3. In college, he did pull up from really deep. But um, I think it's going to take a while before we actually see a good return on Trey Young. And I don't think that's going to be looking good for um, GM Travis Schlenk because he actually traded out of Luka Doncic to go back to pick up Trey Young. And that might cost his job early on. He is being known as one of the people to identify Stephen Curry um, in his previous tenure with Golden State. And he has sort of tried to build the Hawks in a, using spacing, tried to build them in a sort of a light, 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 light version of the Warriors with like um, Herder and I think Amari Spellman's a bit of a shooter as well. And even like Torian Prince. So from like, from two through four, two, two through four, there's a lot of switchability going on with um, the lineup and that seems to be something they've been looking for like shooting and switchability which is sort of becoming vogue in the NBA recently especially looking at a team like Boston which we'll get to later on in the podcast so their record ceiling I can only really see it at 24 Um, currently at the time of recording I did see um, Atlanta Hawks their over under is 23.5 for most um, book sites and Oh, I think you. I think they're very likely to go under. I think that they're going to be their record floor is sixteen and trash. Uh, we'll ha- figure out however it is like yeah, sixty six losses off the top of my head. I really think that they have a very low floor. The Atlanta Hawks. They last year they did do a lot of tanking. It seems like they're willing to tank again. To my knowledge, they have their pick for this upcoming season, and just to add that high end talent, it's a very shallow draft um coming up. Um a lot of scouts are saying that it's about four or five deep and then the rest of it you're not know, you're unlikely to find some of those gems. Yeah, so they've been really big on their tanking, especially last year. They're a bit unapologetic regarding it. And if they give the keys to the offense to Trey Young, that might help his development, but it really might hinder their record putting him down into the bottom like one or two. So I really think that the Atlanta Hawks are a solid pick to be last in the NBA and have the first pick. And as I said earlier, if Luka Doncic wins Rookie of the Year and he comes in hot like I really expect him to, I think that might put um, Travis Schlank on the hot seat very early in his tenure at Atlanta. Coming in the second last seed in the Eastern Conference preview for the 18-19 season, the Orlando Magic. So they're projected starting five. I have is DJ Augustine, Evan Fournier, Jonathan Simmons, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Vucevic, with their sixth man being Terence Ross, or even Jonathan Isaac, who I see as a big potential improver this year. The incoming players are Mo Bamba and Jaren Grant, with outgoing players including Bismack Biombo, Mario Hazonia, and Shelvin Mack, who actually last season led the team with 3.9 assists per game. So where are they going to get their playmaking from? I really don't know. <laughs> so last last season their record was 25 and 57. With this season, I'm predict, predicting their record to be 22 and 60. Reasons I could see this improving is just based off Aaron Gordon coming into his own. Mo Bumba's still a, like even though he's a high pick, he's still relatively raw as a prospect. Um, quite slight of build, and um in the NBA, especially being a big, that sort of doesn't translate early on at least um, before you get a bit of muscle um going through the side um potential improvers definitely aaron gordon um and definitely jonathan isaac i think isaac you saw in the summer league coming into his second year he really sort of came into his own and um defensively especially and that sort of length that um Orlando's looking to build on has really sort of is looking forward into the NBA which is something I could appreciate um, it's just sort of that Aaron Gordon position it seems like he might be playing a lot at the three and I think that's really a waste of his athletic ability because threes are typically more mobile and they'll be able to keep up with him I think he's, he's only really a four. I think he's not a good enough rebounder and def- and rim protector to be, play as a small ball five, unfortunately. But if he improves on that, he could be pretty good at the five with his switchability because of his athleticism and so on. But he, yeah, and then also Jonathan Isaac, as I mentioned earlier, he is lengthy and he's a bit of a defensive freak. And you can sort of see what they're going with Mo Bamba. They're looking for that length and wingspan, definitely. Mo Bamba was... The summer league record for wingspan at seven, nearly seven ten, I think it was. I made a post about him earlier on, on my Instagram. But Mo Bamba, if he's hitting his three like he has been, if he can find like any sort of a stroke like at thirty six percent, at least he could be a bit of a weapon going forward in the NBA. So looking at the team, the record floor it could be pretty bad for them. I'm saying it could be about like twenty, 20 or twenty one wins for about 61, 62 losses. And then their record ceiling, about 32 and 49. I really think that Orlando coming with a new um, coach, Steve Clifford, um, I get a bit worried about when coaches get scooped up right after another trip. Steve Clifford got dropped by Charlotte. i really, I just become con- instantly concerned when um, after a coach gets fired when they get picked up by another team. The Steve Clifford offense is going to take a little bit to get used to for Orlando, especially for a young team. Yeah, where's the playmaking going to come from now? Shelvin Max gone. Like there aren't really many playmaking. There's players like Evan Fournier and Terence Ross that can create for themselves, and even Aaron Gordon. But who's going to create for others? That's what I'm struggling to see. Vucevic, you can chuck it into the post, but like, are you really opening up? He's going to be a bit of a buyout candidate later in the season. And Vegas had them at an over-under of 31.5 at one stage. And currently, they're down to 30. Yeah, they're still hovering around 31 to 30.5. 30 so maybe I'm a bit pessimistic, but I think Vegas seems to be looking at them really growing from within because they haven't really been within the trade game, especially in a long, long time. Can Aaron Gordon make another leap? I was watching him last year earlier on in, in the season, the first few months, he was shooting the three like lights out. Like he was really surprised and it looks like he was working on his game and really something that was making him look like a much better player. And then as it dropped off later in the season as in his injuries picked up you sort of realise the player he was the season prior. He, he didn't carry the consistency through, but he's definitely one of the front runners for most improved this season with his athletic ability. He's still a good defender because of his um, athleticism, and if he can hit that three consistently, and he's even been taken off the dribble at times, I think he can really... He's probably one of those top three um, people you'd expect to win most improved. Um, Vooch would be a buyout candidate, like if the Magic want to give Mo Bamba a bit more rung without sort of poisoning the locker room. So say if they start a Bamba over Vooch, then Vooch might get upset just basically because he's a veteran, he's been there for so long. I don't know if he actually enjoys Orlando as a place, how he's been there so long. And if Mo Bamba just comes into his first season, just takes over his role, you, sort of, you can see that a veteran just might not like that. It might get um, pushed in the wrong way. So, yeah, it's his final year of his deal. And if he can't find a trade partner, then he might be a, a buyout. And he might be able to go to a contender and help out a strong team. Similarly, Greg Monroe but actually do something. So, yeah, as I mentioned before, the lengthy teams is cool in concept. But, like, when you look at this execution, you sort of realise why they aren't a finished product yet. And they're probably one of the teams heading back into the lottery again and being one of those last seeds in the East. And there's also no starting caliber point guard. I really it's gonna be hard for them to get into their um offense without a sort of a good ball handler. It's they're gonna to have to look to pick up um, a bit of a playmaker, I think, even if they it's coming from the two position. They sort of don't really have much going for them at the guard position at the time. Coming in at third last on the running the point 2018-19 NBA season preview for the East, the New York Knicks. So third last, the Knicks last season their record was twenty nine and fifty three, and this season I'm predicting their record to go down a little bit to twenty six and fifty six. Maybe I'm a little high considering Porzingis is out. Um, effective, effectively, he's out for most of the season. He might play a couple of months, but I wouldn't be surprised. They seem to be taking a bit of a stance with Fizz and uh, management that they'd be very cautious because Porzingis is seven foot three an ACL injury and he, although he doesn't really rely on his athleticism much he does use it what he does the athleticism is he does have so don't be surprised if Porzingis is just red-shirted for the year. Also leaving the side Kyle O'Quinn in the offseason and incoming players include Kevin Knox from the draft and Mitchell Robinson, Myra Hazonia, Noah Vonlay and coach David Fizdale. So the projected starting five I have for them: looking at Frankie Smokes, Frankie Nillikina at the one, Tim Hardaway Jr. at the two, Kevin Knox at the three, Noah Vonleh at the four. Perhaps going small ball with Knox at the three uh, Knox at the four and Hozania at the three, and then the goat, his Cantor at the five with Trey Burke manning the second lineup as that, in that six-man role. Um, the team MVP, although he might not play much, would be Porzingis. Well, I think sort of the people's champ is going to be Kevin Knox if he can play within that top five Rookie of the Year race, right? sort of that New York meters and um, fans are really going to get on his back. Although they also booed him at the draft. They booed him and they booed Porzingis, and that's just... That's New York Nick's supporters for you. So potential improvers. Looking at Frank Nilakina, he's really put on a bit of size and seems a lot more confident with the ball in his hands um, in the preseason. So I look for him to be making a bit of a um, push in his second year in the, se- in the league. Can Emmanuel Moutier become an NBA player? I don't know. Hopefully. I think he's definitely a potential improver if he's had a good off season. Um, he sort of had a bit of a rough time. I liked him um when he initially came into the league. Hopefully he can sort of find a sort of his capability within the league and sort of help run that second unit with um Trey Burke. And then yes, again, Trey Burke, another potential improver. He did have a, a few big moments last season. Um my friend Lewis will know about that. And perhaps, yeah, Trey Burke can sort of find a bit more consistency this season and help run the second unit and even maybe um, start at times because Hardaway, has been a bit of an injury concern last season, so he might be able to slot in that small two um, and I even run the one because he can put up buckets when he wants to. So the record ceiling I have for the Knicks is probably about 32 and 50. That's really with Porzingis coming back early and not getting injured. Um, I, I, I don't know if Kevin Knox is really going to become that Rookie of the Year candidate that's going to... Yeah, but Canter is going to put up numbers. He's going to put up numbers on numbers on numbers, Canter, He's going to be averaging 15 rebounds, and he's going to be oh, over 18 points a game. He's going to be a killer, um, especially if they're going small ball. He's going to be able to punish small ball lineups is going to be killing it. But I see the record floor is also 24. Um, they do have some capable players, the Knicks. It's just sort of the Knicks always find a way to do Knicks stuff, it appears. Um, yeah, that's all I've really got to say for their floor. They just sort of bugger it up somehow. Like, they've got capable players in that sort of um, eighth, ninth role on a um, minutes rotation. but people getting a bit more run, like I don't know if it's going to translate to, to winning itself, some of the Knicks players. I'm relatively pessimistic um, on some of the ceiling for some of their players. So Fisdale was the only Knicks employee to ever visit Porzingis in Latvia and he's looked to really gain a bit of a trust from Porzingis after the apparent distrust of the organisation when Phil Jackson was there. Um, there was a lot of rumours about um, Phil trading away Porzingis and it seems like Fizz is really making an effort to sort of get on the same page with him. And Fizz is a, a players coach. He's going to get along with Porzingis, I have no doubt. He was one of the most liked um, assistant coaches at the Miami Heat and you see players like Dwayne Wade and LeBron James really sticking up for him. And if Hardaway Jr. and Trey Burke goes like, pretty cold or quiet, Porzingis sits out... And Cantor isn't consistent with his output. I'm concerned where their offense is really going to come from. It's difficult to sort of rely on a player like Kevin Knox to generate um, effective offense. And same with someone like Hazonia. He hasn't. He ha- he was a really high to prospect coming into the league, but he sort of hasn't found that form that scouts and um, people were expecting. So he can put up numbers, it's, um, Hazonia, if he wants. It's just they haven't been efficient up to date. Um, and also, will the Knicks commit to a rebuild or will they become impatient in the larger market that they are and try and trade for a player like Jimmy Butler? You see, it's the Knicks, they seem to always be a bit impatient and that seems to be a bit of their problem. They seem to sort of... Like when they traded for Camelo Anthony, they could have waited a year. Even though Melo was demanding to go to the Knicks at that time, they could have waited and kept players like JR and Schumpert and perhaps moved them on for other players, and they just sort of gave up too much when they didn't have to because they were in that larger market and there was a bit of an uproar from fans to get Melo at that time. And I'm scared that can happen again. It's a different management, but you've got the same owner, and if the owner puts a hammer down, you really got to follow suit. And I really think Paul Zingas needs to sit out. As I mentioned before, he's seventh 3 with an ACL injury, which is no joke. But it seems to be him and management on the same page with really taking their time and make sure that he's 110% before he actually goes out there. And also a player to really look out for was Mitchell Robinson. He was a five-star recruit and he's bouncy and long. Like, he's 6'11 with a 7'4 wingspan and showed, like, potential to defend at NBA level with his athleticism and his switchability, perhaps. Think of sort of like a Whiteside type of player in the future, but, like, a little more competent defensively other than blocking. Like, he might be able to contest shots better than Whiteside. Whiteside's really known for his blocking and that gives him the stigma of being a good interior defender. But, um sort of actually contesting a shot without fouling isn't White side sort of thing. He sort of hunts for those blocks. He might be a bit raw coming in Mitchell Robinson as he didn't play college. He's one of those rare players that didn't play like at a college level before. But he is was a five-star recruit coming out of high school and he definitely could be something if he's developed, right? And I think Fizz is known as a little bit of a developer and as being a people's coach. So um, hopefully he gets a bit of a run, Mitchell Robinson. And then, yeah, as I mentioned before, Frank Nellikina put on a lot of muscle and he was already the top pick-and-roll defender at a point last year. I think he ended up being top three at the season's conclusion. And with more pick-and-roll happening within the league, look for him to be more respected as defender throughout the year. He already got a bit of um, hype, but last year he was only 19 and going up to 20, the the Knicks may list him as 6'6 this season as he's already grown and he'd become more aggressive offensively and more confident with the ball in his hand and hit his open shops. Expects the most improved buzz coming from Frank Nolikina. And then, yeah, last thing for the Knicks I'm going to end on is Knox is one of the most intriguing rookie prospects at this point in the season. He's very raw, and I'm just concerned he's going to be underwhelming to the public. Um, Nonetheless, he will be on a lot of highlights and get a bit of buzz in that respect with his dunks and athletic ability he has, but just sort of has a actual productive player on a winning side. Don't expect that from him. It's very rare that rookies translate into that. And players like Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons, last year's rookie class might come down to being one of the most stacked ones in a very, very long time. And like, you've even got some players that didn't even perform at their best. So that are still really high um, prospects going forward. So yeah, look for look for Knox to maybe not be as good, but however, players like Nillik to be better for the Knicks. Coming in next for our Eastern Conference preview, at seed number 12, we've got the Chicago Bulls. Last season, they had a record of 27-55, and this season, I've got them going in with a predicted record of 29-53. and The incoming players that the Bulls have are Jabari Parker, Wendell Carter Jr., and Chandler Hutchinson, of note. And outgoing players, Jerry Grant and David Nwaba. So the projected starting five I have for them, Chris Dunn at the one, Zach Levine at the two, Jabari Parker at the three, Larry Markkinen at the four, and Robin Lopez at the five with Bobby Portis helping the bench. At the moment, Larry Markkinen is out with an injury and is looking at a six to eight week recovery. Um, so look for Bobby Portis to be starting for the Bulls at the four spot for a few games until um, Markkinen is back and ready to keep going. So the team MVP, I've got Chris Dunn. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Chris Dunn has been um, a bit of a standout player last year and might even get some most improved buzz as well for the next season. So potential individual improvers. Can Chris Dunn take another step? That's uh, one big thing. And then Markkinen, I think his big question is, everyone knows he's a talent, but can he stay healthy? Um, He's a big guy. And um, you can definitely see all the potential, and dangerous word potential, but and hopefully they can have a good upcoming season. And is Zach Levine a good stats, bad team guy, or can he translate his um, production into winning? Um, you just see some of the numbers that he was having with uh, the Timberwolves, where the at a point in time, like Levine, Wiggins and Towns, were like the only um, trio to average over 20 points or something. And Zach Levine, can he... He can put up numbers, everyone knows that, but can he really like translate into winning? I think that's a big question going in. And also um, Jabari Parker, he looks more comfortable from deep in the preseason, from what I've seen, and this might help unlock his game to be more effective if he can find some rhythm out there and help space out the floor. He's already been dunked on by um, the Bucs so when um, Rook Lopez came in, so his defense might not be the same, but at least he was getting to it, even in the preseason. Sometimes he seems a bit lackadaisical on the defensive end. So yeah, for the the ceiling, for the record, I think about 34 and 48. And then record floor, 25 and 57. So at the ceiling, I think they'll be pushing for about the ninth seed in the east. And then the floor, about the 25 wins. That'll put them a few slots lower around 13, 14, depending on if Orlando um, go higher than them and so on. So yeah, I'd be some storylines going into the season as well. I'd be curious about Parker, Portis, and Markden as like a lineup um, offensively. It'd be very high scoring, and you won't be able to defend a leak with them. However, can they outshoot teams and sort of go for like, all right, we'll give up 115 points, but we're going to score 116 points. I know. And Jabari Parker on the hot seat. I think he's a better fit at the four, but he's going to be playing a fair bit at the three, it looks like. And at the moment, the four spot's a bit cramped up with the likes of Bobby Portis and Markkinen in the team. And he's got a a one-plus-one contract, so he's getting paid quite a bit for this season. But it's a team option, which means he'll likely lose big money if the Bulls decline because he won't get much more. But if he balls out... He'll be um, put into another contract here if the um, team picks up the option. So it's he's in a weird position, Parker, because he's going to struggle to find his payday. Because if he if he wants to get a big contract, he has to do it over two seasons. Because it's likely that the Bulls will retain him. And then with the injury history as well, it's not it's a difficult position for Parker. But um, best of luck to him. Um, and another thing, just like looking at the side and going through the roster, is where is the veteran presence on the side? Like one of your, you got like Robin Lopez and Bobby Porter's, but Bobby Porter's punched Miritich last season, and Fred Hoiberg clearly doesn't have much of a hold on the locker room as well. So where who's going to be sort of that veteran presence, and where the younger players can look forward because they do have a lot of young talent coming uh, in their like second, third, fourth years, and. I'd be curious, um, Wendell Carter Jr., he does seem like a very good prospect um, at the moment. He seems to fit into the preseason summer league quite well. And um, you just got some of the um, more veteran players like Levine. He's got a, it seems to come off, in my opinion, to have his get-my-own-attitude. Um, at this point, I'm not sure... Um, he, his sort of fit in the team grand scheme of things. I really like him as a player, don't get me wrong, but I'm not sure if he's conducive to winning basketball, um, in my opinion. And coming in at the 11th seed in the East, I have predicted the Cleveland Cavaliers. So last year, I had a season record of 50 and 32, and this year I'm predicting them to have a record of 29 and 53. Notable incoming players include Colin Sexton, Sam Decker, which today just absolutely crossed up Jason Tatum. He may have slipped on Rosier, but nonetheless, Decker crossed him up. And also Channing Frye's coming back to the land. And notable outgoing players um, uh, not one really of note. Some bloke who like to call himself the king. And then, yeah, so they're projected starting five. I've got George Hill at the one, J.R. Smith at the two, Chetty Osman at the three. Kevin Love at the four, Tristan Thompson manning middle at five, and the sixth man, I've got them having Larry Nance Jr. So the team MVP is going to be Kevin Love, obviously. And I the only thing with Kevin Love, in my opinion, is that he sort of is struggling to play over 75 games in the season, which yeah, it's not the best thing, but um, any potential improvers? I got Chedi Osman. He had a really good off season. He was playing for was it the Serbian national team? I think he plays for. Anyway, he was playing a bit of um, international tournaments, and he looked to be really well, in getting a few highlights, and really helping his country out. Jordan Clarkson, he was playing for the Philippines as well, and um, qualifying for FIBA. So um, I'd be interested to see if he's sort of picked up his game in the off season. Uh, there's not much buzz on sort of his work ethic in that. And also Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood's one of those annoying players where it's like you see him put up – he has like definitely the potential to be a really productive NBA player, but you just don't see much of the work ethic as well. So Rodney Hood, he could he definitely improve. I really think he can, but it's just does he have that attitude and is he a little bit shook with the NBA? Because I feel like he's got a lot of backlash – Um especially last year when LeBron was there. People were expecting Hood to step up and be a, um, a really effective piece for them, but it didn't really seem to translate. And also Ante Zizic, he, he had a good day today. I think he scored 20 points and eight rebounds in the preseason, and um, that was overshadowed by the whole um, J.R. Smith-Aaron Baines thing. So can Zizic have a productive year coming off the bench and perhaps fight for a starting spot? Who knows? So the record ceiling I've got for them is 36-49, and 49. Which I'm kind of thinking I could have done a little higher. They seem to look pretty good actually and seem to be clicking and sort of have that um, no one believes in us um, attitude. But the record floor, I've got it 27 and 58. Um, I think it can go really wrong for the Cavs. Um, I, I can just see it happening. Like Kevin Love um, getting injured or missing a significant amount of time. Um, as I said earlier, Point guards sort of struggle in their first two to three seasons to really show their true potential, so I'm not sure how Colin Sexton's going to go if he gets a bit of starting run. Yeah, I can really just see the wheels falling off of this Cavs side. Additional comments and storylines I really want to keep note of. Can Kevin Love get back to that Minnesota Kevin Love? Like, you sort of remember they used to throw it down to the post and he used to be a walking bucket. I think he had multiple 2020 games and he used to be a monster when he played for Minnesota they've oddly got a lot of rotation players and intriguing players throughout the roster when you look at it up and down. And not many of them I can see is contending like pieces, except for Kevin Love. So they've got a good base level of talent on the side. However, it's a very volatile talent, like your Rudy Hoods and your J.R. Smiths. It's a really feast family with some of them. And just, I don't know. I think it's going to be a weird side to predict they, Bill Simmons always talks about the "no one believes in us" um, theory, where there's just a side going into, especially playoffs, and that that they perform better if they've got the um, if they think no one believes in them winning. I think the Cabs could really find that and maybe push for a seventh, eighth seed. I think that's really um, something that can potentially happen. Like when you're going up and down, I'm not actually sure how good of a coach um, Tyler is. He's definitely a player's coach, which is what's needed with LeBron James. However, I'm not sure if he's a good X's and O's coach. Um, well, Also, another thing to look for is if it sort of goes downhill for the Cavs, will there be a few buyout candidates coming off this side, such as Kyle Corver, for example, going to a contender, or Channing Fry perhaps. You've got some of those um, older players, perhaps some of the likes of George Hill or... I don't know who else is in a contract year. Will they get bought out? Um, as I was speaking about earlier, Ronnie Hood. It's a bit of a do or die season for him. He could really turn into one of those players that's sort of bouncing around sides if he doesn't have a good year. However, he could get a really big contract if he has a good year and has and takes a step forward. He's sort of. I do think it's a do or die season for Ronnie Hood. And lastly, looking at it, is Colin Sexton a rookie of the year uh, dark horse? So, like, hear me out. If this season doesn't go too well for the Cavs and George Hill wants out, and they get rid of him and they might get a, uh, a couple of seconds or maybe just a second for him or even nothing, will they just give Colin Sexton the keys to run the pick and roll with Kevin Love? And could he become a full-time starter? Obviously, some vets would have to move that are in front of him in the rotation at the moment. But Colin Sexton, I think he won a game with th- three or four players on the court or if he nearly won a game, he scored like 40 points in college. And if he becomes a full-time sc- um, starter, he could really put up numbers. And that's sort of what Rookie of the Year really um, is. If you put up um, numbers, you could win it. And then if Cleveland outperform their seeding, and if he's starting at that point in time, there could really definitely be a storyline going with the Cavs. Like, oh, once LeBron's left, this is going to be like a sort of saviour, one of those blow-up sort of storylines. So um, who knows? He could definitely be a dark horse candidate for Rookie of the Year. So who's next in the 18-19 East preview in the 10th seed? Brooklyn Nets. So last season, their record was 28-54, and, and this year I'm predicting them to go 33-49. Notable incoming players include Kenneth Fareed, Jared Dudley, Zan Moussa, and Ed Davis. Outgoing players include Jeremy Lin and Dwight Howard, sort of. <laughs> so projected starting five, we've got D'Angelo Russell, Alan Crabb, Damari Carroll, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, and at the five, Jarrett Allen. Six-man, I've got them having Spencer Dinwiddie. So the team MVP, I've got D'Angelo Russell. He seems like he's really going to be the man on this side if he can get a consistent run and his health and just, yeah, just all-around consistency all around. So potential individual improvers. Got Karis LeVert. He's definitely one of those sort of NBA Twitter prospects. that if yeah, it just seems like he's one of those prospects that he seems sexy because, oh yeah, the gritty Brooklyn had no um, draft picks and so on. They found the way to get Karis LeVert, and same with Jarrett Allen. Um, yeah, I think both um, Karis and Jarrett um, will be big improvers this year. Um, Karis, because of his versatility, especially um, just with his um, length and size, and then Jarrett Allen, he's just. Last year was a bit of a it's that Dunker market and he seems like he could really become like a good prospect just based on his athleticism, his really his hunger on the court. And then also D'Angelo Russell, he hasn't really hit the heights that a lot of people were thinking were when he got drafted, thought like, oh yeah, he could really like be one of those premier point guards in the league, and he hasn't sort of hit that yet. So he's um been in Brooklyn for a few years now, so this could really be the season where he sort of breaks out um and just really takes the league by storm almost and have sort of one of those um, Terry Rozier type years, I could say. I could definitely see something like that and people looking at him in a different way and thinking, oh, geez, especially Brooklyn does well and he gets a lot of the credit, it could definitely... Um, I think credit's going to go to management, just sort of turning the tide around after the Celtic trade. But um, I could definitely see uh, Tiantro Russell getting some due respect. So their record ceiling, I've got them at 39 and 43, which would have them making it just about the eighth seed. Um, from my current predictions, and the record four at 30 and 49. I think they've got a relatively high floor this side, especially with having a lot of vets. And you've got Jared Dudley, if you hear anything, he's always talking about the veteran presence he is. You hear any podcast he's on, Jared Dudley's always talking about how in Phoenix, it was a veteran presence that Devin Booker needed. and He almost credits himself being as one of the reasons that Booker improved. But You've got um, a few other players that around the side that have been in the league for a while, like Damari Carroll, who really seems to fit in. And, yeah, so it's you look at their roster up and down, they're oddly deep. I think a better version of the Cleveland where, like, you look at some of the prospects is a bit um higher than some of the Cleveland depth, and you just go, they've got really almost 9-10 nine, nine, deep. You can actually get a few minutes for each of these players. Another thing is, will Kenneth Reed fit in or fit out, like the old LeBron saying is? Um, he sort of had a bit of a rough time. He was touted as being one of those sort of funky prospects, especially when he played um, in the Olympics. Kenneth Freed was getting a bit of buzz about him being a, pr- a prospect going forward, and then he just never really found it once he got paid. So is he going to fit in or fit out, or is he going to move on from Brooklyn next year? I really think that it's sort of this Brooklyn team has an attitude like, that could really help Kenneth. If he can get around the team, I think he could really find himself in Brooklyn. <laughs> Another thing is, will Brooklyn try and make a splash trade for someone like Jimmy Butler? or will they wait it out for the offseason and see out the rebuild? Coming into the offseason, they've got two max spots currently available, and you've got some players looking east, like Kyrie Irving perhaps, or Kevin Durant perhaps, even Jimmy Butler said that one of his preferred destinations was Brooklyn, and they might be able to bring in two stars. And if they um able – I think a lot of it's, it's a contract year for a lot of players on the side – but if they're able to retain some of the depth that they've got and add in two big pieces, and they might be pushing for a fifth seed next year, the season after, it definitely, I definitely think that could happen. If they can get two good players in with the cap space they've got and they retain um, a little bit of depth, then definitely you could see Brooklyn really making a leap the season after. So this year's a bit of a setting a more for the foundations, Um, going forward and another thing you're really going to look at is what happens if they strike out in free agency will they regret not going out and trying to get Jimmy Butler um, similar to how the OKC and even what Kawhi is doing with Toronto like going to get a player in the last year of the contract and sort of selling him on the idea of this organisation and yeah, so what could happen with Brooklyn if they strike it in free agency? What are they going to do? They're just going to roll it over and keep more cap space the year after. There are a lot of superstar talent coming up in the offseason, so who knows? Um, I think Brooklyn. This is a weird year. I think the first year that Brooklyn's actually got their draft pick, so that's what I can definitely see happening. They could, they might just turn the team over to their younger talent, like the Musa and so on, and just and Jared Allen and just saying, you know what, just play your hearts out, don't win too much. Because this is going to be the first year they've had their pick since um, I think it's almost six years. Something nuts like that, that they haven't had their their own actual pick. So who knows, they might actually tank a little bit or just be indifferent to winning as well because they don't really have like much upside to fight for. I think um, ownership is pretty juiced up to cash, so they're not going to really be looking for playoff revenue or necessarily needing playoff revenue. I think every billionaire wants more money, but yeah, can Brooklyn turn around and get that sort of Brooklyn grit going forward? Who knows? I think it's definitely a possibility for this season. Coming in at the ninth seed, just not making the playoffs in the 2018-19 season preview running the point NBA season, Charlotte Hornets. Yes, I think it's gonna be one of those seasons again for Charlotte. Last year their record was 36 and 46, and this year I've got their predicted record at 35 and 47. So notable incoming players including Miles Bridges, who, who's had a really good preseason, Tony Parker, Bismack Biyombo, Devontae Graham, and outgoing players including Dwight Howard and Michael Carter Williams. So their projected starting five: I've got Kemba running the one, Batum at the two, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist at the three, Marvin Williams at the four. And Cody Deller at the five with their six-man being Tony Parker, I think. So, yeah, obviously their team MVP is going to be Kevin Walker in his um, contract year. Um, potential improvers for this side. Looking at Malik Monk, um, he didn't really have the season that we we're expecting of him last year. He was People were perhaps buzzing him with a top-five pick last year. Um, he clearly didn't work up to it. And um, I think the Hornets will be kicking themselves because, to my knowledge, there was a few scouts that were really saying go get Donovan Mitchell, go get Donovan Mitchell. And imagine if Donovan Mitchell was there. You'd be looking at Charlotte as a lot more bright than they currently are with their best player going into a contract year and some very bad, um, contracts on the side. But, um, yeah, can Malik Monk um, take a step forward and be a bit more comfortable? I've have said before, and a million times, guards in the league they take a while to develop, so you've got to be a bit more patient. It's a very rare player like Donovan Mitchell comes in their first season as a guard and really takes the league by storm. So maybe a couple more years for Malik. Um, another potential improver, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. Does he finally get a jump shot? There's always buzz about him and his jumper and so on. And you got um, I think shooting his shooting coach is lethal shooter. Can he finally just find a consistent jump shot? He is a very good defender. And uh, at the 2-3 position with Batum and Kit Gilchrist, when they're both really trying hard, that's a really strong defensive um, wings. So, um, yeah. And f- also, Frank Kaminsky, what is he? I think that's a big thing. Like, he's sort of... It, it looks like this upcoming season's going to be one of the seasons for a lot of players where they're sort of... Are you legit NBA player? Or are you just an intriguing NBA talent? So like at the moment, I see Kaminsky as an intriguing NBA talent and he hasn't really found his, his real footing within the league. And this year, can Kaminsky find a bit more consistency? Can he get into the starting lineup on a consistent basis? Also, Willie Hernan Gomez, he's had a pretty good preseason as well. Can he sort of find a bit more consistency? He had a bit of a run in um, the Knicks where he was doing all right. So yeah, can he do um, improve on that this season? for the Hornets. And also, Kemba's on a contract season. Will his production increase? I think looking at fantasy, I like looking at um, players on contract. years got something to prove. And Kemba's in a contract season. So, will Kemba take another step forward and really show the league that he's one of the more underrated talents? Because there's a lot of people that vouch for Kemba Walker. But has Charlotte really done much winning? He doesn't have much around him. So, can Kemba... Will his production increase and will he stay with Charlotte? He's saying all the right things at the moment. So, yeah, their record ceiling, I've got them at 40 and 43. I think they're a very low ceiling this side. I don't see many. Um, There's a a few potential, like, individual improvers on this side. However, you don't see many people, many players being able to make that leap, like that real leap into being, like, fringe all-star talent. There's no one on the roster that can be a fringe all-star talent, even in the East apart from Kemba. Obviously, Kemba can be one of the top point guards in the league. He is already. But no, I don't think see anyone else being able to become his Robin to his Batman. And then the record floor, I've got them at 33 and 49. That'd be having in as my predicted record for Brooklyn and around the 10th seed. And just also, it seems like it's one of the more dire situations in the league, this Charlotte team. Like, as I was saying, there's no really high upside young talent on the side. And I know they've got a lot of bad contracts, um, their pick situation as well. Like, what are they going to do there? Are they going to try and win now? Because I, th- I don't think Charlotte's a very lucrative market and will MJ ownership just try and get them to win now and get playoff revenue? Who knows? Sacrificing the future for the present. Um, James Rager, the new head coach, he's a very respected assistant coach for the Spurs. And will he keep the stereotype of being a Spurs, of Spurs assistant coaches turned head coaches and changed the culture of an organisation? I really think that um I need a bit of a shake-up in Charlotte and putting in a coach like Borrego could really help the culture there. I think it's something, it's sort of, I don't know what they're really fighting for, for each other. Are they fighting for each other? I don't really know. It just seems like everyone's rocking up to work, doing their job and getting out. Can you get a bit of teammate camaraderie? Um, I know Spurs are known for their team dinners and so on. And also one of the um, bigger things as well is are they going to trade Kemba before the deadline? Is management going to just say, you know what, just get rid of him. Try and get a a few good picks out of him, maybe some young talent, and will Kemba be dealt? You could definitely see a team like Phoenix going after him. It's one of those teams that really, really need a point guard, perhaps even Orlando He'd be there, leading assist-getter. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you could definitely see some teams really going for a player like Kemba. Even team like Milwaukee. you could I could see a team like Milwaukee saying, you know what, three-team trade, get rid of Bledsoe, send him somewhere, and then picking up a player like Kemba to really help the offense run when so Giannis doesn't have to, the burden so much. I think he could fit in well in having... But anyway, we'll get to Milwaukee a little bit later. Will Kemba be traded before the deadline? I don't know. It seems like he's committed to Charlotte, but he might just be um, positioning himself just to get a big contract for them and asking for a trade in the future. Who knows? So now let's take a bit of a break. Thank you for the support in the first uh, podcast and coming up into this next one now. I really appreciate it. Um, just a bit of a break to let you know where we are. So currently, you have got the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Radio Public, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and also on the Anchor FM website. So, I'd just really like to thank you. If there's um, different mediums that you'd like to be watching the podcast on or listening into, let me know. I'm also um, posting it on YouTube, if that's an easier way to listen to it. And, um, yeah, I'd really like to just thank you for the support. Keep following on the Instagram. It's the best way to get any information. And, yeah, let's head on to, into the teams that make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference for the 18-19 season. And it's playoffs time. So looking at, I think these top eight teams in the Eastern Conference, I think they're almost locks to make the the playoffs. And I'm not quite this enthusiastic, but Cantor likes to, when he thinks of the playoffs, his nipples get hard. So I don't know if you're this excited for the second half of the podcast. Maybe your nipples are hard at the moment, but anyway, in the eighth seed with a predicted record of 38 and 44, I have the Detroit Motor City Pistons. So notable incoming players include Glenn Robinson III, Bruce Bowen, Kyrie Thomas, and head coach Dwayne Casey. And I didn't do the outgoing players. Genius. Their projected starting five include Reggie Jackson, Reggie Bullock. Stanley Johnson, Blake Griffin, and also Andre Drummond with Ish Smith manning the six. So the team MVP, I really would like to say Andre Drummond, but honestly, it's Blake Griffin if they really want to reach their ceiling. Um, if they're the best iteration of this team is Blake Griffin really clicking in on all cylinders. He's getting quite old at the moment. I think he's 28. He's a bit older than I thought he was. So yeah, if the team really wants to reach their ceiling, I think Blake Griffin needs to be the best player. But um, for a strong floor, I think... Andre Drummond would be the team MVP. Any potential improvers? Drummond, as I said, will he's, um, free, his free throws went up um, 2 for last season, so will his free throws expand more? And you've been sh- seeing him shooting a little bit. He's saying he wants to hit the corner three, so who knows? Hopefully he's be able to get a bit more consistency. Stanley Johnson, I'd really love to see him take a step forward. He's definitely one of those players similar to Winslow where you just see their body and it's like... That's an NBA-ready body. And it it really looks like he can be a bit more of a force defensively, take another step there. He's already um, pretty solid um, taking on the um, big forward assignment. And also, Henry Ellenson, will he be able to take a step forward? Um, Step forward seems to be the theme of the East. Um, Players taking a a step forward. But Henry Ellenson, I think Detroit's got a little bit of egg on their face for taking that pick. But, um, yeah, so the record ceiling I see for this side is 46 and 36. They don't have them around the 6th uh, or 5th seed. And then the record floor will be about 36 and 46. I can really see the tyres coming off, but it's a relatively high floor. It's got it's got them competing for the, um, the similar position that they're in now, um, getting 36 wins in the East. It's going to be quite easy to make the 8th seed, and I really think Detroit need to make the eight. Otherwise, who knows? You might you know, be seeing a bit more discontent. I think the ceiling might be a little higher than what I'm giving them, just solely based on Dwayne Casey. I think he's a he's probably a very big addition and one of the more impactful additions in the East at the moment. I think he's a legit coach, and the only reason that he has me scared for thinking the Pistons won't go over 500, and then will he make the Raptors regret dropping him? He just won coach of the year, and then the Raptors decide to get rid of him. Like I think it was ready for them to get rid of either Casey... Um, Larry or DeRozan, but to get rid of the coach of the year, I don't know. Will Blake and Drummond be able to develop better chemistry? Drummond's becoming um, last year's sort of season was really unlocked when he became a bit more of a playmaker at that elbow. I think him and Blake, if Blake's um, be able to continue his um, vision, he's one of the better passing um, four or fives. Um, If they can develop a bit of chemistry, I really think they can make a bit of a push in the east and if anyone's going to help him unlock that, I really think it's going to be Dwayne Casey. Um, Another thing to keep an eye on, Drummond's free-throw shooting. Um, the league hasn't addressed hugely from the season prior um, the free-throw rule, so will Drummond become a liability um, towards the end of games? And also, Stanley Johnson's contract extension is another thing to be looking into. Um, yeah, they might be able to... If they can get an extension early, they might be able to get him on the cheap and sort of, not to the, this great deal, but um, in theory, get the Steph Curry treatment where the player sort of signs um, for a long contract for cheaper than what he's actually going to be worth. And in the future, they're going to use that malleability with contracts and salary to help add additions and become a bit more of a contender in the future. So I definitely think that that's something to be looking at um, because a lot of people around the league think um, Johnson has a bit of a future in the league. And coming in at the number seven seed, the Miami Heat. So last year, their record was 44-38, and 38 and as currently constructed, I think their record to be pretty much the same, 43-39. and 39. So incoming players of note, um, D-Wade, and outgoing players of note, nothing really, just a bit of um, fringe NBA talent. So projected starting five, I've got Goran, Drag, and Dragic at the one. Dion Wade is at the two, if healthy. Josh Richardson at the three, Kelly Olynyk perhaps at the four, and Hassad Whiteside at the five. I think they can go smaller and put in Justice Winslow at the four as well. But um, And even Kelly Olynyk at the five and not start Whiteside, if he uh, doesn't really have the right attitude. However, he does look pretty good in this preseason. His body looks like he's really improved on it. And the sixth man, just for um, old time's sake, I put in Dwayne Wade with a little love heart. So the team MVP, Goran Dragic, but it's actually Dwayne Wade in his last year. He's um, going to be doing a little bit of a retirement um, tour, which would be cute. Um, major potential um, improvers. I think there's more um, sort of talent that could improve this season than people giving Miami credit for. Players like Justice Winslow, Bam Adebayo, Josh Richardson, and Tyler Johnson. Can Winslow, just pretty much the same thing as um, Stanley Johnson, can he sort of find his footing in the league, like being more than just a defender? Will, uh, will he be able to help out in the offensive end a bit more? Bam um, had a bio here, a very good year last year. Um, is he going to be able to um, get that starting spot if perhaps the white side's moved on from the team? And then Josh Richardson, he had a very, very good year last year. Um, He's probably more of a two-man with his sort of body, but um, just with the uh, amount of guards and that that are on the Heat roster, he's going to be seeing the three spot almost exclusively. And then Tyler Johnson, still relatively young. He has a very big contract. Seeing WNBA players just saying Tyler Johnson's getting overpaid, I think they do have right because I think the max salary in the WNBA is less than the minimum. Like a 10-day contract in the NBA is worth like their whole year almost. So I think they've got, that's a different conversation anyway. But um, Tyler Johnson can really definitely improve. I see him as a player that can sort of take a step and become a productive piece on a playoff side. So the records ceiling I've got for them, as currently constructed without the Butler trade, at the time of recording, Jimmy has not been dealt. But their record ceiling, 46 and 36. I um, don't see it much higher than last year. They still haven't placed about the sixth seed. And then the record floor, I think they almost can't get out of the eight. I think they're with management and Spolstra being one of the best coaches in the league, I think that they almost they have to make the playoffs. I could I don't really see a scenario where they won't make the playoffs with the sort of talent they've got on the side. So their record floor I've got them at thirty nine and forty three. So also they're going very high at Jimmy Butler. I think that's the only real thing they can do like going forward, they don't have a lot of malleability in being able to turn over the roster, so you sort of got to go for these discontent superstars and then sign him on with bird rights the season after. They've got a very uh pick scarcity within the side, they don't have many um, picks to deal with. I think their next their own p- next picks like in over two years, um, I think three years. I'll have to double check that. But also, another thing, the Dwayne Wade Tui. Uh, are they going to sacrifice what's best for the team just to sort of give Dwayne Wade that um tour that he rightly deserves for how much he's done with the league? He's gonna have a statue within five years, I reckon. And also Pat Riley, will he stay long enough for another iteration of the side or will he sort of put all his chips in the middle again and try and win this side? You could see definitely see him moving on in the next few years, but I think he loves basketball too much, especially being a GM. Um and yeah, so this Miami Heat, as they currently are, there isn't a whole lot new going on. There's sort of, you've got the Dillon Waiters, like when he's playing at his peak, he's pretty helpful, but um, he has been injured quite a bit, so you've got to be looking at that as well. This Miami side, they've got a high floor, but they've got a low ceiling. If they can get a, a trade without giving up too much for Jimmy Butler, I, don't, I think um, Pat Riley would be quite head, headstrong with that, but If they can get Jimmy Butler, this silly jumps up heaps because they've got all the um, pieces around him to be able to push for a fifth or fourth seed. I definitely think that they've sort of got the infrastructure. However, will they be able to get Jimmy Butler or will Tibbs just be a bit, just keep doing Tibbs things? Coming in at the sixth seed for the Eastern Conference running the Point NBA preview, we have your Washington Wizards. Last season, they had a record of 43-39, and 39, and this year's predicted record is for them to jump back up to 46-36. and 36 Last year, to say the least, Washington was a bit disappointing with how they went. Um, John Wall was out for a bit of time. Um, Bradley Beal really came into his own and really um, showed that he is one of those uh, premier Eastern Conference guards. And yeah, it was just all around disappointing year for Washington. Um, maybe it was a The silver lining in it, Bradley Bill sort of having a career year. But, um, yeah, this year I'm really looking at Washington taking a step forward in from last year, getting back to where you would probably expect them to be. Um, John Wall seems to have had a very productive off-season. Look at um, any photos of him working out and just his body in general. It looks like he's put on a, quite a bit of muscle. It might make him a little bit slower than he previously was, but then he'll be down to a very quick guard as opposed to being the quickest guard. So um, if he adds in a bit of strength, they'll be able to help him get around defenders and finish at the ring, which he was already pretty good at. Hopefully he can continue to improve on his stroke from three. I guess that's pretty much analysis for every player. You just want them to be a bit stronger and just shoot from outside a bit better. But um, John Wall, yeah, definitely, if he's a threat from there consistently, then that'll be good for them. Um, The main incoming players was Dwight Howard, Austin Rivers, Jeff Green, and Troy Brown from the draft. And um, the most notable outgoing player was Marcin Gortat. Um... Big thing is they're becoming a little bit more deep. The side, uh, having players like Austin Rivers and Jeff Green coming off the bench, that's really going to help the side. Um, they're projected starting five. I have the, um, John Wall and Bradley Bill at the 1-2, probably one of the better 1-2s in the East. Um, I think, yeah, they'd be close to the best 1-2 punch in the East. They'd be very, oh, I guess Boston's is better, but they definitely they have had a period of time where they are one of the stronger um, guard tandems. Coming in at three, Otto Porter. Four, Markeith Morris. And five, the only real change, Dwight Howard, who has come in as a starting centre instead of Martian Gortat. And then the sixth man, um, probably Thomas Sadoransky. He had a, quite a good year. Um, we've got a bit more run since John Wall is out. And, yeah, so the team MVP, John Wall... And um, potential improvers. So um, as previously mentioned, John Wall, he's looked like he's gone to really good shape. That's what John Wall's come into training camp traditionally to work himself back into shape. And it's good to see that he's already put on a bit of muscle in the off and he's really trying a lot harder. Um, and hopefully he's worth that super-duper max he's got. Can Bradley Beal take another leap forward and become a certified all-star? Last year, he was really good. And uh, unfortunately, it just the way it is, he's probably going to regress. However... I really do think that um, Bradley Bill can just sort of stay as one of those premier guards in the East. I and mean, then Kelly Ray Jr. off the bench. Um, hopefully he can just sort of be one of those prototypical wings that you need in the modern NBA. He has a bit of grit in him that's pretty good, and you've just seen that um, in the past season. You can get into a bit of tussles and so on. Um, the record ceiling I see for them is about 51 wins, which would put them in about the fourth seed um, as currently constructed. And then the record floor, I feel like similar to Miami, like if they don't make the 8, it'd be very disappointing. But um, i see say seven's their absolute floor, and you'd have to have a lot go wrong. But this year, I think the real question is, will the team, like, blow up? Like, actually blow up? You've got players like John Wall, Austin Rivers, Markeith Morris, and Dwight Howard all on the same team. You'd have to be pretty nervous being a Washington Wizards fan this season. Um, It could really really go um, badly within that locker room. Um, and John Wall and his whole best point guard in the East comments. Do you, is he legitimate? Potentially, but he's going to have to really prove it. He's He thinks he's the best two-way point, uh, point guard. Uh, this could be his year to show, you know what, in the East, I am the best point guard there is. So hopefully he does it. And also Dwight Howard. John Wall's going to be the best point guard he's ever had, if you think about it. Uh, I don't really count Steve Nash because he was quite injured and quite old at that point. But um yeah, this going to be Dwight's best point guard. Hopefully, that can really unlock his game. He ha- he put up numbers last year, but it didn't really translate to winning with Charlotte, and he's been jumping around a bit. So can can Dwight Dwight put up stats on a competitive team, and can he help winning? Um, since Orlando, um, like he had a bit of success in Houston and LA, but he's really been jumping around and sort of being a bit of a locker room menace. So yeah, hopefully Dwight gets back to um, winning ways. Um. But, yeah, you're looking at this side. They're a lot deeper than they previously were. Like, they've got actually got some NBA talent coming off the bench and one of the most reliant teams on their starting five. Yeah, so they're a lot deeper. So that might help them in the regular season get their record up. And that's why I see them making a bit of a jump um, in uh, wins. And I think they could really be punch- punching for 50 wins this year. There's definitely... They've got the talent to do it, to be a t- uh, have home court in the East. It's just sort of... They've got a lot of... Um, I just think the locker room is the biggest thing for them. Just sort of, are they going to play for each other and so on. So it's going to be an interesting year for Washington Wizards and it might blow up and make a lot of fun for NBA fans and just put Washington fans into cardiac arrest. And just not getting home court in the Eastern Conference playoffs. We have the Indiana Pacers coming in the fifth seed. Last year, they had the record of 48-34. and And again, I think they're going to be going about the same 30 so forty-eight and thirty-four. So notable incoming players: Tyreek Evans, Kyler Quinn, Aaron Holiday, Dougie McBuckets, and Amari Johnson. And then outgoing players include Trevor Booker. Al Jefferson has gone to China. Lance Stevenson, Glenn Robinson III, and Joe Young. And the projected starting five at this current time is Darren Collison, Victor Depot, Bayan Bogdanovich, Thad Young, Miles Turner and the six man Tyrek Evans. So their team MVP clearly is Victor Oladipo. Yeah, he's really um last year sort of start of the year everyone didn't really believe in Victor. Um but he sort of proved everyone wrong and he sort of he's really um credits a lot of his what new found work ethic to Russell Westbrook. seeing how hard he worked every play and every off day and so on. Oladipo oh, seemed to have another good off season and Hopefully Oladipo can continue uh, what he's been doing last season and build on that this season. Potential improvers: Miles Turner looks like he's really improved a lot. Victor Oladipo, perhaps he can improve some more. Uh, Bogdanovich um, will just be more consistent. I think would be something, uh, especially on the offensive end. He had a um, alright playoffs as well. Uh, T. J. Leaf, um, he's been in the league a couple of years now. Um, is he finally he's Seems like he had a bit of potential early on. Is he actually going to take the next step? Who knows. And Ike, Anigbogu, maybe not so much. But he was a second round pick um, the other year, so hopefully he can uh, improve a bit. So the record ceiling, 52 and 30, I see, which probably about a third seed. And a lot of people were thinking the same. I think people are a bit more optimistic about Indiana than I am, thinking that they could really be a dark horse for a home at the playoffs. I think they can. I just doubt they will. Yeah, they did really well last season. and It's just it's rare that a team that has a breakout season like that improves on it again, which it'd be impressive, and I really hope they do. But um, I see their record floor being forty three, so no lower than about the seventh seed in the East. So you expect them to be playing playoff basketball. They had a good, um, very good first round exit against the Cavs, nearly um, knocked them out, and perhaps they should have. So um, also, Miles Turner, can he sort of change it around after an underwhelming season last year? Oh, it seems like he's improved his body heaps in the offseason and really look for him to be a most improved candidate. And then Victor Oladipo, is he a legit superstar? Is he in that top 10 players of the league? And the gritty defensive paces, can they push for home court in the playoffs? It's another storyline you should be really looking at. Um, Oladipo gets credited as one of the um, better defenders in the league, but I think really it comes to that the team defense um, that McMillan sort of instilled in there. Um, putting Oladipo on that second that second guard and where he can play off his man and get into the passing lanes, It's really helping them run the break. And you saw that against the Cavs quite a bit. And another thing is, did they overachieve last year? Have they sort of already hit their ceiling? Like, I hope not. Like, I really think they can push for fifty wins, but have. There's always a possibility that they sort of reach their ceiling and just simply they need more talent. Um, I should have mentioned Sabonis can maybe take another step and be more consistent next year. He had a very good season, a regular season last year. And if they do take another step, does Nate McMillan deserve coach of the year buzz? He did get quite a bit last year, but he probably did. A lot of coaches got a bit of coach of the year buzz. This year, I think Nate could definitely win it. So, um, they were fourteen point two points better per hundred possessions when Oladipo was on the court. Let alone when he was off. Another thing to look for is Tyreek Evans running the second, you know, offense and sort of improving him in that aspect. I definitely see that as an area where Indiana can improve when Oladipo is not on the court. Um, having players like Tyreek can really help them there. And yeah, if you look at them and they're really deep side. They're legitimately nine ten deep, and for this reasoning, they've got a high ceiling for their record and a high floor consistent nba quality lineups is definitely one of the uh, positives this side has so look for indiana to being a dark horse top four and really pushing in the second round um one of those uh, bigger teams out because i think this indiana side is legit and if they're in the fifth seed like i think they will be they can really knock out that fourth seed which we're about to get into now as i just mentioned I've got Indiana in the fifth seed, becoming the fourth seed, facing Indiana in the first round of the playoffs. I have the Milwaukee Bucks, led by Giannis Antetokounmpo. So last year they were 44 and 48, and this year I'm quite high on the Bucks. I've got them at 49 and 33. I think they're going to take a step forward and add on an extra five games at least. So incoming players at note: they've got Ersan Iliasova, Dante DiVincenzo, Brooke Lopez, Tim Frazier, and Pat Connaughton. And outgoing players include Jabari Parker, Marshall Plumlee, Brandon Jennings, and Jason Terry. So the projected starting five. I've got them with Eric Bledsoe at the one and Brogdon at the two, Chris Middleton at the three, um, Giannis at the four, and Brooke Lopez manning the middle at the five. And the sixth man, I don't know, it's a bit weird, but maybe Ilya Sova. he's pretty consistent from deep. And then Malcolm Brogdon probably be six man some games. Also, especially because he's had a few injuries um, last season and so on. So the team MVP, I've got Matthew Della Vadova. No need to really go into that one. Quite obvious. Um, and potential individual improvers. you got to be looking at Thon Maker um, or Thon McCurr, as I think his last name is correctly pronounced. He really, I think this is a, one of those seasons where he really needs to sort of show that he's got that potential. He's a bit of one of the beneficiaries of this mixtape sort of um culture the NBA scouting's had. Like, Zan Williamson's a big prospect at the moment based off his obvious um, athletic ability, but off the mixtape culture as well, similar to Thon Maker. Thon Maker looked like he could cross over Kawhi Leonard in his high school mixtape. Clearly, he can't at the NBA level, but um can he develop and become a, perhaps a starting five for them um, in the future now that Brooke Lopez is getting on a bit and jumping around a few teams... Can he become a mainstay starting player? Um, Giannis again. <laughs> Just seeing that pull-up three that he's been working on, because you get players like that play downhill, like Giannis and Ben Simmons and LeBron James. You Defenders, when they're come dribbling the ball down, they give that extra half a step back so they can actually work to get in front of him. If Giannis is able to hit that pull-up J when um, they're playing off him trying to stop the drive, oh, he's going to be an animal. It's going to be ridiculous. Um, that's something that Ben Simmons needs to improve on, and it's something that's really opened up LeBron's game. His step back three, having uh, the players having the defender sag off, that's where LeBron sort of opened up in the past few years as well since Miami. And Malcolm Brogdon, can he improve again? He was a very good pick for them um, coming out of the draft. Um, can he take another step forward and become top six rotational players in the side? On um, the record ceiling. I've got it 52 wins, so I think they could make a top three. Seeding, perhaps, and the record floor is almost the same as um, Indiana, and I've got them at 43 and 39. I think that it can go bad, but I really do believe in this Milwaukee side with the new change of the head coach. So Coach Bud, he embraces a pick-and-roll offense in the past. Like, Will this help create room for Giannis and embrace this sort of pace-and-space sort of offense? In the half court, they struggled to make effective offense last year without just dumping into Giannis and telling him to score. Their defense will hopefully improve um, under Coach Bud. Um, Jason Kidd was a bit interesting in some of his defensive tactics when you're watching him play. And yeah, I think Coach Bud is really going to help show if this is, if they got legitimate talent on this side. Like I remember when Bledsoe left Phoenix to go to Milwaukee. Everyone was thinking like, "Geez, this Milwaukee side is really building here." Bledsoe last year didn't appear to be help, be conducive to winning. Um, the way he was playing, he was putting up stats, but um, it didn't seem like he was helping winning. So hopefully Bud can help players like Bledsoe get a consistent three and so on. Chris Middleton's in the contract year. Expect him to sort of ball out again. He had a very good season last year. But also, they're quite shallow depth on the bench, this Milwaukee side. Like You've got, you got players like uh, deli coming off the bench, Ilya Sova, fun maker, and that's about it. Um, it's they're quite shallow on the bench, so they're going to continue to rely on on Giannis. But if he got injured for any period of time, that's going to really hurt this Milwaukee side. Um, and then yeah, a lot of Bucks upside in my opinion, but just simply based on a better structure from Coach Bud. But um, yeah, this Milwaukee side, I'm, I'm really optimistic about them. I think they get they get. I, th- I know they're going to secure a home court in the East. I think that um Giannis is he a top three candidate. If they get top three in the East, I think Giannis is gonna have big, big MVP buzz. Um just yeah, and I think a lot of that's gonna go to Coach Bud. I think they can both win Coach of the MVP this season together. Um, I think this is going to be the best play that Budenholz has had on his side. And there's definitely a lot of potential for Milwaukee to really become one of those um, top-caliber teams in the East. Now the East is growing with the upside. I think it's really exciting. The Eastern Conference at the moment, especially up top. Coming in next at the predicted third seed in the East, we have the Philadelphia 76ers. So, yeah, there's been a lot of storylines of the Sixers, especially with Fultz and um, Ben Simmons' jump shot and so on, and then trade talks with them trying to get Kawhi. And, yeah, so Philly has definitely been in the news a lot. Last year, they had a record of 52-30, and 30, and this year I predict their record to not quite get there, I think 51-31. and 31. So notable incoming players include Isaiah Smith, Wilson Chandler, who's actually injured in the preseason, and also Mike Muscala, who looks like he's improved his body a bit. Um, Outgoing players include Marco Bellinelli, Ersan Iliasova, and Rashawn Holmes. And the projected starting five, we've got um, Simmons and Redick, one, two. Um, although um, Fultz did start at the two quite a bit in the preseason. Covington at the three, Serge at the four, and Embiid at the five. So, and sixth man, obviously, Markel Fultz. And you'd be seeing uh, Wilson Channel is healthy, um, help here and in there getting a few minutes. And team MVP, I've got Joel Embiid. Although all my Australian instincts want me to put Ben Simmons there, I think upside comes from Embiid. And you just see, like, really no one can defend Embiid if when his conditioning gets right. That was a big thing last year. Um, potential improvers for this side, you've got Markel Fultz. Just simply based on the fact that when he, hopefully he plays a bit more, that will definitely help them out. Um, Ben Simmons as well, if he can get a jump shot, Joel Allen Bede, he's still relatively young. He's old, older than you probably expect, but he's still relatively young. I think he's 24 and Darius Saric as well. He's had a pretty strong season last year as well. So can he improve on that? So they have a relatively high, um, ceiling for the regular season at about 55 wins, I think 55, 56, but they've also got a kind of low floor, um, at 46, um, I think there's a lot of concern still with Embiid. You can't look beyond um, that he's played. He's only played 100 or something games. So he's really still an injury concern. Um, they're really going to be looking at, between Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, they're going to need at least 150 games between them if they really want to contend for a top two seed. So um, they do have a low floor if um, Embiid doesn't play a lot. I think the Sixers are more volatile than people actually think. Like, Yeah, Embiid played um, a bit last year, however... They're not as deep as they were last season. And Elton Brand is effectively an unproven GM. So what can get done during the season? Um, Last year, Colangelo um, um, picked up um, Bellinelli and Eliasova during the season. So um, it'll be interesting to see um, Elton Brand, what he can um, do to improve the Sixers' lineup. He's a very well-respected within the organization and hopefully is around the league. So hopefully for Sixers' sake and for the top of the East, they can really improve their team and um, find some depth, because I think they got really lucky with Bellinelli and Sofa and they were really impactful, especially in the playoffs. So Ben Simmons' shooting is still a concern. Um, even though he has his top 20 buzz within the league, being a top 20 player, if he really wants to improve on his um, positioning and the standings of individual players, Simmons has to improve his shot and needs to at least have people respect him from there. Um, Embiid um, is a top 10 or 12 player in the league, and is he an MVP candidate? If he gets 70 games, he's going to get MVP buzz. There's like nothing else to say about that. If Philly's he, top three, even second, or if they in first for a period of time, Embiid's going to get MVP buzz. And also, JJ Redick, will his age get to him? I think he hit, he went, hit seven of seven threes today. So he definitely can, can still do it. Um, shooting translates um, for a while. But... Is his age going to get to him, JJ? He's getting up there in his 30s. Um, that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow because that really helped open up the um, court for them. And obviously, Markel Ford's situation is a really, really big storyline. It's been overcovered. covered um, working with trainer Drew Hamlin. Can Markel Fords find a resemblance of a jump shot? Early signs are that he can. He looks pretty good in the preseason. However, keep an eye on Markel Fultz. It's going to get a lot of attention. Will it get to his head? He seems to have... Um, the Sixers, actually, when he was training, they didn't want to bring the media in, but he said he wanted the media there. So just that sort of confidence, I think, is really good from a young player. So you've got to keep an eye out on the Sixers. It's going to be interesting to follow them this year. They're definitely going to be one of the higher teams in the East, but can they push the, one of these top two teams that we're about to get into? This is where it gets exciting. We're into the top two teams in the East, and I think pretty easily predicted these two. Um, it's going to be quite interesting, but in the second in the East of the first running-the-point NBA season preview. We have the Toronto Raptors in the second seed of the East. Last year, they posted a record of 59-23, and 23, good enough for first in the East. This year, I'm predicting 55-27. and 27. Notable incoming players for the Raptors are the Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, and head coach Nick Nurse, with also, as part of the trade, to DeMar DeRozan and Jaka Purdle leaving. And then also coach Dwayne Casey, coach of the year, left the side. So the projected starting five, Kyle Lowry at the one, Danny Green at the two, Kawhi at the three, Barker at the four, and Valanchunas at the five, with Fred Van Vliet manning the six-man position. So the team MVP, Kawhi Leonard, if they're going to reach any sort of heights, he's looking good in the preseason. However, will Kawhi um, become one of those top two, top three players in the league and find that sort of form that we've seen of him in finals MVP form? Um, it's going to be interesting. Potential individual improvers include O.G. Anunobi, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet again, and perhaps Norm Powell. He's getting beyond that um, age of when improvement's expected. So will Powell be able to become more of an offensive threat and help out defensively more? So the record ceiling, I see him, is quite high. They see him as 61 wins, um, as you'd probably expect. And then the record floor is... Still top four in the East, about 53, I think. They're a very strong deep side this Toronto team, and you bring in a potential top three player in the league. I don't know how much more we can talk about that. Uh, um, you're swapping out DeMar Rosen for Kawhi Landed, and you're still getting all right return at the two with Danny Green. So definitely they have a high upside this side. Additional things i like to mention about the Raptors they've got a new coach coming in, Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse has been noted as being one of the coaches that helped turn around the offense last year. That offensive um, rebrand that Toronto went through. So he really loves the three ball. Yeah, I just don't know actually going to translate first year success. Um, Nick Nurse's first year as a coach. They've got the best bench in the regular season last year with with a five-man unit that outscored opponents by like 17 points per 100 possessions. That's ridiculous bench production. But they're not that good at defending good teams. They were a good defensive team last year, but they allowed just 99 points per 100 possessions against teams that were ranked 11th to 30th in offensive efficiency. But that skyrocketed to 115 per 100 possessions against the league's top 10 offences. So can Toronto find better defensive acumen to those better teams because then that's how they're going to translate to playoff productivity. And I think additions like Hawaii Leonard is really going to help that because when you're defending the best players in the world, you need the best defenders, not just a good um, team defensive scheme. And versatility is one of their biggest benefits. They've got players like Pascal Siakam, and you could, uh, you could play him at the five. You could put Kawhi at the four, and you, or OG um, at the, those two, swap between three and four. Valanciunas is also really big, and they've also got Greg Monroe um, on the side, which I don't know if I mentioned him earlier on. But um, yeah, I did mention Greg Monroe joining the side. However... They do are a very versatile team. They're going to be able to target teams' weaknesses. They're going to be able to chuck Alan Tunis on a smaller um, fife. They're going to be able to put Munro coming off the bench with better bench productivity. Uh, they can put a Barker at the fife. They're going to be a very switchy team and look to them to continue to be a top three defence next season. Also, can Sergio Barker become the defensive pre- uh, presence he once was? He's still a very good defender, but like, can he b- become one of those Defensive Player of the Year players again? Who knows? I think he's listed at 28 years old, but there are rumours that he could be quite older than that. Um, so hopefully he'd be the perfect small ball five if he can find some of those OKC days where he's hitting the three from the corner, if he's defending really well, being able to switch around. And he's really good at help side defence when the D breaks down. So this Ka- this Kawhi Leonard run Raptors team has very high upside. I think there's another storyline also I think is going to be big is that sort of Paul George treatment in OKC with Kawhi Leonard there's a whole year now a whole season that the Toronto Raptors have to recruit Kawhi Leonard on staying in Toronto and re-signing for long term so who knows this is going to be a big season for the Toronto and going forward you're really going to have to look at them and think geez they can really knock off big sides they've got the pieces now um, hopefully Kyle Lowry comes back and plays well. There was a bit of, um, as previously mentioned um, in the first podcast, Kyle Lowry didn't seem too happy with Nick Nurse and Masai Jerry, So is he going to conform back into the team? And are they going to be a bit better this year with Kyle at the 1? Um, who knows? It's, it's a very interesting um, Eastern Conference at the moment. Um, Kawhi Leonard, he played eight games last year. Is he going to play 70 plus games this year? Who really knows? But they've got a very, very high ceiling and they've got a high floor as well. This Toronto team is legit and I think they can really make a push for the finals. And lastly, I'm sure you probably could have guessed it, but your Boston Celtics will win the Eastern Conference this year. Last year, they had a record of 55 and 27 and this year's predicted record, 62 and 20. Yep. Boston is going to have the best record in the league almost. Them and Golden State, depending how hard Golden State tries for the regular season. But Boston Celtics are legit. I just cannot get over this. Um, Incoming players, effectively Gordon Haywood is an incoming player. Um, And also Robert Williams from the draft. Outgoing players including Greg Monroe, Abdel Nader and Shane Larkin. So the projected starting five, as you've probably seen all over your social media accounts, Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown, Gordon Haywood, Jason Tatum and Al Horford with six man, Gary Terry Rozier. So the team MVP Kyrie Irving as the team MVP and potential improvers probably their whole lineup. Um Jason Tatum that he's a monster. Um Jalen Brown he can go forwards get scary Terry again. Um Kyrie could even um. He is a not bad uh, defender when he tries. Like He stays in front and works a lot harder, especially in the playoffs. Regular season, he's not so good defensively. Only um, declining. I like, can maybe see Al Horford. He had a terrific... He couldn't have played Joel Embiid any better on any other day in the playoffs. If you watch the way, especially that pick and pop, um, watching that be run with um, Rozier, Embiid just couldn't get out to him. Just wasn't conditioned well enough. I should have mentioned that earlier, but um, Al Horford really made him work, Embiid, and he just outsmarted him. He's obviously not as big as Embiid, but he just outplayed Embiid in the playoffs until I think Embiid had like two really good quarters. We just ate up Horford. But apart from that, everyone can improve in Boston. And the record for this, their ceiling record, I think, is so high. I really believe in this team. Uh, 65 and 17, I've got their ceiling as. I think they could be one of the best teams in, in the league in, in recent memory. They're so deep. They're so talented. And they have probably about seven players that can improve as well. Um, the floor for this team is very high. Um, We've got at 54, which would probably get them second. They're either one or two. I think Brad Stevens, even if he just. Every, the past four years, since Brad Stevens has been coach, Boston has improved its record year on year. And I think it's going to continue for a fifth straight season. Um, their floor, yeah, very high at 54 wins, which is higher than most teams' ceiling. So, also last year, they're number one in defense. Can they continue it? Um, the pre- primitive defense and switchability is a big thing that really helps them, having those like six, seven, six, eight players, being able to run freakish lineups, like having smart um, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Hayward and Horford, just a defensive monster team. Um, even Jason Tatum, he didn't come into the league being a good defender. He was a bit lackadaisical in college. And last year he had a very, very good defensive numbers. Also, Aaron Baines. He was one of the best league's best defenders in the regular season. That played over half of the games, and he had um, one of the best defensive um, ratings. Um, and if Horford and um, pardon me, if Harden and CP3 last year could share the ball enough, I'm sure the Celtics are going to be too. There's been some storylines about there's only one ball in Boston. There's only one ball in Boston. But if Harden and CP3, two of the most headstrong players in the league, if they can play well together? I think this Boston team is going to be able to um, share the ball around enough. You've got Brad Stevens who sh- should have won coach the year last year, just based on not having much Kyrie and not having Horford and still having 55 wins, was it? Yeah, having 55 wins last year, I think um, Brad Stevens is really going to help them sort of uh, develop and share the ball around. And it's a lot easier to um, sacrifice when the team's winning. Like you see that happening in Golden State right now. Um, Houston, as just mentioned, um, it's easy to share the ball and sacrifice when the teams are winning. It's when the team's not winning you get some. I think that's where Houston's going to blow up. If Houston comes out of the gates and they're not, if they last year Houston came out of the gates and they weren't performing, they weren't smacking teams like they were, then it would have been harder to share the ball. Or, um, share the ball. You would have had um, CP getting annoyed. You would have had Harden getting annoyed, and so on. And then. Um, Will Horford, Horford begin to regress? He pretty much, yeah, as I previously mentioned, he did the best job he could have done in Embiid last year. um well, is Horford going to regress? He's getting a bit older. He's getting paid quite a bit of money. You look at if you look at all the the cap space and the contracts for Boston, they got they've Danny Andrews has done a stellar job. It's just this Boston side is the only team that can beat Golden State and. If Golden State didn't even with Boogie, I feel like Orford well, could make Boogie pay in the playoffs. If he plays like he did last year and did it on Embiid, I think this Boston team is going to push Golden State to six or seven. And they could could very well win it if they're very if they're healthy. Because it seems like they play for each other and they've got that edge as well with players like Smart on the bench. You need to have a crazy person on your side. Every team that Every dynasty has always had that crazy person on the team that could snap at any moment and that really um rallies a team, like your Dennis Rodmans, for example, and even like Shaq seems like um when he played the Lakers that he could have snapped at any time as well. So, um even like Draymond had that edge that he played with for Golden State, he's one of their players that's like that, and in Boogie. You see smart can be that player for them. If he could just snap, you saw it today, how pissed off he got it. J.R. Smith, pardon my language, but Yeah, this is going to be a really interesting um, year in the league. I think Boston will push Golden State to 6 or 7 because clearly Golden State's coming out. So again, you can see I'm very high on the Celtics. I think they're going to win the East. Um, Going back down through my predictions for the upcoming season in the East, we've got Boston 1 at 62 and 20. Toronto, the second seed, at 55 and 27. Philadelphia at the 3 with fifty one wins and thirty-one losses. Milwaukee four, fourteen at nine and thirty-three, with facing Indiana in the first round with forty-eight and thirty-five record. Washington Wizards improving to forty-six and thirty-six. Miami at forty-three and thirty-nine, leaving Detroit in the eighth seed at thirty-eight and forty-four. So just missing out at the ninth, we've got Charlotte then Brooklyn, then Cleveland, then Chicago, and the bottom three seed in the East for New York, Orlando, and obviously the miserable Atlanta Hawks. So thank you for listening to the first episode of the season preview. Coming from the Eastern Conference, next weekend we shall have the Western Conference preview, and then just before the season starts, we'll have predictions for records, including MVP, most improved, and so on, and also we'll include probably a cool other few things to look out for. Um, Thanks for listening. Appreciate the support. You can hear this podcast on YouTube, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, you can hear us a lot of places. So if you just Google running the Point MBA show, you should be able to find the podcast. So I appreciate it again. If you can, please go to Apple, iTunes, and find the podcast and rate it five stars. It really helps um, in the algorithm for other people to find and join the running the Point movement. So thank you again and cheers.